0: Hello and welcome to Atlantic Conversations, I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Program works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programs focused on equity and healthcare, socioeconomic equity and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer those leaders an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues, while strengthening their confidence in their work for change. In each podcast, I'll be speaking to an Atlantic Fellow about their work and ambitions for a more just world. In this podcast, I'm joined by Christina Rosenthal. Christina is the owner and CEO of Paradigm Dental Center LLC in Memphis, Tennessee. She's a graduate of the Atlantic Fellows for Health Equity US and Global Program at George Washington University. I asked Christina what she'd been doing since graduation.
1: Personally, a lot has been going on, balancing dental practice, nonprofit, and then trying to enrich the network that I formed after graduating.
0: Tell us a little more about the network that you formed.
1: My co fellows and I were very intentional about trying to keep our bonds strong after we graduated from the fellowship. So that involved constant communication, being intentional about uh, relationships that we form, and continue to keep those relationships strong. Seven months later, you find yourself here at the
0: inaugural July convening of what we call senior fellows. That's fellows who've graduated from their programs. Health Equity US and Global, your program is only one of seven programs internationally. What has it been like meeting other people from other parts of the world with different skill sets, perhaps, who are focused on the common objective of equity?
1: It has been such an enlightening experience for me. What I've come to realize is that regardless of what continent you reside on, many of us face the same issues. And I think that core value system of community, of wanting to help the marginalized, really bonds us all together, despite the work and space that we're in. Have you been able to make some connections? Because
0: the objective of bringing people together and connecting them is hopefully they will collaborate on future projects. Can you realize that vision, do you think?
1: Oh, Yes met another dentist. So we have the bond of oral health. And he and I, just from a conversation that was sparked, a very catalytic conversation, have decided to work together in tandem in some way
0: what Bulela, Bulela waver? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, why am I not surprised? And also Zuleika, who is in my fellowship in the cohort ahead of me, she's also very familiar with oral health and the perils that it faced and trying to get access to those who don't have access. So the three of us are coming together to do some product. So essentially, you're making connections both in the United States with other fellows from same
0: program but different cohort and internationally with Bulela in South Africa. yes. Can you describe what it's like working as a dentist nonprofit these days? What happens in the United States when a patient, perhaps from a marginalized
1: area or community, needs dental work? In the U.S., we have a system called Medicaid, and Medicaid is typically for underserved populations. Now, there is a political aspect that comes into that because not all states have Medicaid for oral health. So what that means is many of our citizens go without dental care. It's almost seen as a luxury service versus a necessity. So what I've done to combat that is offer a reduced fee schedule for those patients who don't have dental insurance. And how can you make that viable for yourself to make a living? You offset it with those patients who are self-pay or who have excellent dental insurance. What are the kinds of needs that the people who you treat have? My demographic for my practice is middle working class individuals. We have maybe 90% insurance based private insurance, that is, unfortunately, the state of Tennessee will not allow me to accept Medicaid insurance, which is for the vulnerable populations, because they feel they have enough providers in the urban areas. So in an effort to push other practitioners into the rural communities, they're only allowing acceptance of new Medicaid offices in those regions. Well, that's not feasible for me, having a family, three sons, who are embedded in the community that we're currently in. So, like myself, what other doctors have done is trying to get creative in how we address the issue. There are several organizations within our community that do free access days where we provide a service. It's only one day, but there's follow-up information given where they can go to entities that provide low or reduced cost care
0: presumably increasing numbers of people want to come to you because of the service that you offer. What are the challenges for you in the coming years, do you think?
1: I think the challenges for me would be continuing the fight to get on that Medicaid list, because I was once a part of the Medicaid population, and that's always been a community I want to serve.
0: So how does Medicaid get reintroduced, for example, into a state? How do you go about that?
1: It is a state decision, and I've spoken to the administrator of the insurance account, which is a national organization called Dentiquist. So I've spoken to the administration there. I've spoken to the administration within my state. It's also a financial issue as to why they don't allow new providers. I think they're trying to find ways to keep costs low. So I think just being diligent and constantly asking if we can ultimately be providers will effectuate the change in that area. How isolating is this It can be isolating, but just like with anything, finding those ways to network and to collaborate, for example, through dental societies or oral health mission-related organizations, that builds a sense of community in a very isolating profession. You can get lost in the nine-to-five, seeing patients, going home, and being with family, but you have to be very intentional about building that community of support.
0: Was there a light bulb moment, or have you always known that you wanted to work with the marginalized?
1: I've always wanted to work with the marginalized because I am the marginalized. I'm a representative of many. I come from very humble beginnings, single-parent home, mother who dealt with mental illness issues as well as substance abuse, did not know my father. I was a Medicaid recipient, and although I had this insurance plan, my mother worked a nine-to-five job. So taking me to the dentist during nine-to-five hours was not a feasible option Mm -hmm. for her. So I didn't see the dentist until I was 13 years old. And when I went to the dentist, I was told that I had gum disease. Now, gum disease is an irreversible condition. Fortunately for me, it was at a place where it could be stabilized and I could maintain the level of bone that I had if I had proper maintenance and care. My hygienist at that time was telling me, you have to do a better job. You're a pretty girl. But little did she know, that was my very first visit there. And so that moment was pivotal for me. Not only did it make me start brushing my teeth for 30 minutes and flossing every single day, I think it gave me this weird fascination with teeth. I always stare at other people's teeth and instead of looking them in their eyes to see, okay, do they have what I have? <laughs> so you actually liked going to the dentist. Yes, <laughs> I enjoyed the smells, the sounds, which is what intimidates most. So I knew that, you know, wow, this may be something for me. But it wasn't until college that I discovered it was something I wanted to do. So working with the marginalized is not just a passion. It's a lived experience. I wonder if you had gone to the
0: dentist at an earlier stage in life, this is, of course, a hypothetical question, and didn't have that drive or come from a marginalized background. Would you have had that same love of dentistry or were there two colliding
1: forces? I believe they were two colliding forces. I don't think the effect would have been the same. It just would have been something to do. So when you left college, you immediately got into dental practice? In college, initially, I was a biology major. I had an advisor to tell me that I couldn't go to medical school because I was wanting to go to medical school, not even dental school. And once my advisor told me that I could not get into medical school because I made a D in chemistry, a little disappointed, I decided to change my major altogether. But my husband, who knew my interest in teeth, brought it to my attention and said, had you ever considered dental school And my immediate response to him was, I do not want to smell breath all day. (laughs) But I looked into it. I met with the admissions counselor at the dental school in my town. I shadowed a dentist, and I realized this is something that I could see myself doing. Dentistry is an art form. Not only are you relieving pain and you're helping people, which is what I love, I also get to build with my hands, and so it's like marrying two passions into one, and it gave me the profession of dentistry. I'm laughing somewhat, I'm wondering how you deal with the bad breath. (laughs) Oh, you get used to it. Really? You really do. In very severe cases, you can have little ways like putting mint in your mask, you know, the smell of mint. We digress, of course, from the objective of
0: equity. Let's talk a little more specifically about your connection with Belayla, for example, a dentist in South Africa who really tries to treat people in rural areas where people find it very difficult to get, first of all, to a location, have to take the day off work and can't afford to take the day off work. Where are the commonalities or the synergies there, do you think?
1: There are many. Dentistry is a profession that could be divided into the private and public sector, You have the private sector, which is primarily attainable for the more affluent people who have discretionary resources and income, And then you have the public sector, which services those who don't have the resources. Well, economically, usually, resources aren't poured into the public sector as they need to be, so dentists working in that arena find themselves having to be creative and strategize on how can I service my patients and give them the same quality of care as one who goes to a private practitioner and not shortchange them in such a way where they don't get the quality of care that they desperately need. That is an issue that faces all of us, whether we're in Africa or the US. In the US, we have FQHC, which stands for Federally Qualified Health Centers, and dentistry by nature, because we require so much. We have chair, we have masks, we have materials and hand pieces versus our medical counterparts, it's expensive. Just the setup of it is expensive and the maintenance of the materials is expensive. So I think we all, despite locale, face those limited resources, but needing to serve a large population.
0: You anticipate then keeping in touch with people and growing the network of people that you've met? Yes, And the final question about the convening itself, with more than 130 fellows from around the world, from different programs, disciplines, what has struck you about this convening as opposed to maybe other convenings or even conferences where you would have been with people again with a shared purpose?
1: One thing that brings me joy about this conference is when you go to many conferences, it's very structured, it's very technical. With this one it just feels so organic. It feels like the spirit of connection and collaboration is focused more on than the technical piece. And that allows you to be who you are, present your authentic self. And I think that is what allows bonds and collaborations to form much more easily versus just going to a structured conference that's technical in nature. And I've appreciated the relaxed environment because it really allows you to open up and let others see who you are.
0: And in terms of others seeing who you are, do you see where you might be able to take your
1: work and your mission in the coming years? I do. And even being in a space, I see people and organizations who could help me get there.
0: Well, Christina Rosenthal, Dr. Christina Rosenthal, I should say, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Christina Rosenthal, Atlantic Fellow for Health Equity. For more information, you can visit www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to the Atlantic Conversations podcast.